Welcome to the OAESP Principal Podcast. This podcast features Oklahoma elementary principals and assistant principals. I'm Glenn Epsher, the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Association of Elementary School Principals. Today on the podcast, we have my longtime friend, Dana McMillan. She's the principal at Marietta Elementary School in the Marietta School District. And she and I were actually neighbors and um, when we lived in Neosha, Missouri, and we were both um, first-year teachers in, in that district, and we became fast friends and been friends for a long time. And you all, in this today's episode, you're also going to hear the story about how she introduced me to uh, my wife. And so, enjoy to today's show. Dana McMillan, welcome to the OAESP Principal Podcast. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. It is a warm Thursday down here in Marietta, Oklahoma, and excited to be with you today. All right. Well, we're so glad that you have joined us, and uh, Dana and I have been friends for well over 20 years, and um, in fact, um, we became neighbors uh, when we lived in Neosho, Missouri, in Southwest mm-hmm. Missouri, I was a first-year brand new teacher. You had just moved there. Um, yep. and was a first-year teacher, and um, we'd gone to um, our week-long uh, district orientation and had a break in the yep. middle of the day. We came home for lunch, and I came out of my apartment. You came downstairs from your apartment, and we're like, "Hey, we know <laughs> each other." And so we yes. have become uh, instant friends from that point forward, and. Um, and so uh, I pre- appreciate your friendship o- over the years. And so we're going to get started with the first question, Dana, with tell tell our listeners a, a little bit about who D- Dana McMillan is and about your journey to becoming a school administrator. Um, I started out in Wichita Falls, Texas as a kindergarten teacher, which I absolutely loved. Um, was there for a couple of years, um, got engaged. I moved over to Callisburg, taught second grade. Um, no offense, but I didn't have as many light bulbs go off with the kids. When you teach kindergarten, like they are all into everything's new and exciting. Um, taught second grade um, for just one year. And then I thought, you know what, I wasn't going to get married. So broke off the engagement and I moved to Missouri where I met Glenn, like he was talking about earlier. Um, I taught kindergarten there in a looping program, which was exciting to be a part of. Um, Glenn and I both decided we would do the after-school program there in Neosho, Missouri, so we did that for a couple years, and then, you know, we kind of talked each other into, hey, why don't we go back to school and get our master's? You know, we could be, we could run the schools, and we had all of these harebrained ideas that we were going to use and do, Um, so we went off to college together, got our master's up at Springfield, and uh, he went on to do great things there in Claremore and the Osho, and I got engaged and moved to Texas. So let's see, I was there for about six years as a first grade teacher, thought I loved kindergarten, but really loved first grade. Um, they're learning to read, it's still exciting, you can see the light bulbs go off, um, very affirming for me. And then the opportunity came for me to be an assistant principal over in Coppell, Texas. I jumped at that chance, was under a great lady named Joyce Smart, um, learned lots from her, um, also had an opportunity to be under Christy Mickelson and Cynthia Atterbury, which were fantastic for me to learn under. I had different schools that I was moved to in Coppell. Um, and then the chance came to come back to my husband's hometown here in Marietta, a principal's uh, position came open. 
I interviewed, applied, and they said, come on. So I came back to Oklahoma after being out of Oklahoma. In fact, I graduated from college in Oklahoma, but never taught in Oklahoma until about 10 years ago. So I've been to uh, Texas for about 12 years, Missouri for about three, and uh, Oklahoma for about 10 now at the current position I'm in. All so right. Me to this point. Well, very good, Dana. And uh, we did work on our master's uh, together. And um, just for our listeners, it was an hour and a half one way to mm -hmm. our classes from Neosho to Springfield. We went to Southwest Missouri State. It's no longer called Southwest. They nope. don't Southwest now. It's just Missouri State. But what a great college. And um, and quite honestly, I don't know if I would have made it through the entire uh, program without you pull, pulling hey, me along. Hey, right back at you. It took both of us <laughs> to get that degree. I know. I know. We both put in the hours and the effort. And honestly enough, I don't think we ever ran out of things to talk about to or from. We always had something that we were, you know, discussing or coming up with ideas about or, or wondering about so it was a good food for thought well just three hours on the road each time we were going that uh we got to rehash about what we were learning in class and i remember mm -hmm. we, we took the finance class on the way back you're like okay this is what i got out of it and then i was so confused <laughs> i'm like just stop talking i <laughs> i don't know any of this <laughs> well, let's just say it's a good thing I never became a finance manager. I, I still get in trouble with the soup's office at, at uh, doing things in the incorrect moment and then correct way as far as getting checks. So uh, anyhow, we won't go into that. <laughs> All right. So uh, Dana, uh, you, um, one of the things that I, I try to ask every time is uh, who are some of your mentors that really pour, poured into you over over? the years and you may mention some of them but okay. tell us who those mentors are and what it is that they specifically did for you you know I think back to like when I was in the classroom obviously having that strong colleague that helped me uh, be a mentor to me was crucial Trisha Jenke was one of the ladies that comes to my mind um there in Carrollton Farmers Branch um, she kind of took me by the hand. She kind of showed me how things were done. She gave me a lot of the background on why they do it that way and what the procedures and processes were. You know, when you're in a school where you've got 50 employees, 50 teachers, in fact, um, it's hard to really know what, what's going on and when and where. Um, she really helped me um, figure things out in the classroom. Um, and then my supervisor at the time was Holly Barber. She was the principal. And I can remember, you know, at that point in time, I'd been through four different schools. I'd been through different administrators. I'd gone in and did the observations and evaluation conferences and all that. And I, I knew I was growing outside of school just because that was my interest. But, you know, when I sat down with Holly Barber, I can still to this very day, remember the observation evaluation, the conference. Um, she asked me the questions. It wasn't um, okay, here's what I saw. Here's what I, I thought was good. Here's what we need to work on. It was so self-reflective in the way that she phrased the questions, the things that she asked. It was really having me stop and think about how did I do it? What did I do right? What would I change if I did it again? Um, and having that type of reflective thinking for me was like, I've never had that before. I mean, I still carry that to this very day when I'm sitting in a conference with teachers. It's not, here's what I saw, here's what was good, here's what we could work on. It's, what was your purpose? What, how did you know your kids learned it? Um, how did you differentiate? It's putting it back on 
the teachers so that they have that self-reflective thought that I went through, that process that I went through. So I would definitely say those would be two of my um, helpers that mentors that uh, had me grow over time with them. Um, I've really been blessed to work with a lot of great people who have influenced Joy Smart. You know, I talked about her. She's a great instructional leader there in Coppell. Um, she, in fact, I think she's still working in instruction and curriculum. Um, she really knew her stuff and she taught me how to look at what the teachers were doing and determine if we were on board as far as, um, is this what the standard says? Is this how the kids are learning it? And are the kids learning it? And so for her, I'm really grateful. Um, just something as simple as giving the kid, the teachers a chart with all of the standards on it and they mark off when they've taught it, when they, well, actually when they introduced it, when did they reteach it, when did students master it, just something as simple as that to give to the teachers so that they make sure that they're hitting all of the standards. Um, you know, I still use that here. So a lot of the things that I have been blessed with working with great colleagues, I take the best out of each one of them, like teachers do, they take the best of all of it and put it together and kind of put their own spin on it. Um, I've been able to do as an administrator. So I'm grateful for the places that I've been and the people that I've been working with. All right. Well, very good. So Dana, tell us a little bit about at your school, what are some things that you do for your staff that knows that makes them know that they are supported and, and, and encouraged? Um, let's see. We definitely do like, um, we recognize birthdays. We do the motivational things um, like on a motivational Monday. Um, they might have a little goodie in their box with a little um, saying on it. I'm grateful for one of the blogs that I'm in um, has a lot of great ideas that, again, pull the best of the best and use it. So they have something either tangible or a great quote for the week to go by or something like that in their boxes. Um, we, earlier I was talking about birthdays. We recognize birthdays um, with a little note and, you know, teachers love gene passes down here. I'm assuming that's universal. Um, we do a little something uh, for them on their birthday to acknowledge that it's their birthday. Um, Jean's passed in a candy bar, just a little sweet note. Um, we also do, we really encourage a lot of positive um, behavior. And so when the students turn in their pop, pop award, their positive behavior award, the teacher's name goes into a drawing. So they have an opportunity to earn rewards for encouraging good behavior with my kids. Um, also, it's, it's the little things that you do along the way. It's the little comments that you say. I think that's encouraging. Hey, you know, that was, I really like the way that when the kid didn't know that answer, you just kept scaffolding until the kid knew the answer. I thought that really helped him on his self-esteem. Um, leaving the little notes of encouragement. Thanks for letting me be in your classroom today. You know, um, I like the guided practice you did with the kiddos today. They really seem to get the concept. Um, and I think just, I think spending time with your your people, um, Siemens, that relationship um, motivates, encourages, you know, we talk about communication. Um, we try to make sure everybody's on the same page, whether it be a kid coming to my office, um, you know, here's what's happened, here's the feedback from that, um, whether it be a question that they have on assessments that we sit down and we talk about. So I think it's just being present, just being visible and being there. Um, and then it's all the little things along the way that I think we do that we don't even realize that it, it can mean the world to someone, just a little sticky note. Um, you know, I've seen them stuck in places in the teacher's classrooms where, you know, they have it on a bulletin board. So I know it meant something to them if, you know, a year later, there's still a sticky note that I wrote um, about a, a positive interaction with her. So 
Um, those are just some of the things that we do. Um, you know, it can get, it can get down. Um, you know, the kids are, you're thinking, oh my goodness, how do I get all of this done over time? I've got this to do, I've got grades, I've got lesson plans, I need to call this parent and this kid's been absent and I got to get him caught up and all that goes through your mind. Um, I think just the taking time, what do you need? How can I help you? Not, can I help you? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just being there. All right. Very good. So Marietta is located on I-35, almost to Texas, just south of uh, our Ardmower. And so yeah. it's a very small rural um, community there. Um, so what makes Marietta Elementary School a great place to be? And what are some special programs uh, that you do either for your students or 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 your families? Um. Marietta, Marietta Elementary is a great place to be because we have the best staff, hands down. My teachers could teach the wall. And when I say that, they are the nurse in the classroom. They are the educator. They're the counselor. There's so many hats that our teachers wear here. Um, it's a great place to be because kids come to school and want to be at school and want, you know, want to say hi to the teachers. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about encouraging good behavior. We took an idea and have run with it this year, which, you know, you try things for a couple of years and it might kind of lose its luster. So you're always, you know, trying to up your game. So we initiated a new program this year, catching kids being positive and they earn what we call a pop award, um, positively observed performance. So it doesn't necessarily tie to grades. It doesn't necessarily tie to behavior. It can be either and or. So the teacher, one of the kids that got a pop award earlier today, um, there was a kid that was gone for a couple of days and this student decided to help this kid out, organize him, okay, this is what you're gonna take home, this is what you need to get done without the teacher even having to ask the student to help the missing kid who had been missing all of his work. So the kid came to the office, we made a positive phone call home and it's great because you know, most of the times the phone calls are like, hey, you got a minute, I've got so-and-so in the office on a referral. Um, It's awesome because you get to make that positive phone call home and you're like, hey, um, wanted you to know so-and-so's with me in the office and she was caught being super helpful um, and making a positive phone call home. You know, we have, we called it POP. Um, So there's also a reward, an instant reward for the students intrinsically, like, look, we're calling your mom right now or your dad right now or your parent guardian, whoever is available, we call them right then. So the kid gets that like um, intrinsic motivation, like I'm gonna keep doing this because this is a good thing. Plus they get a little something to take back to class. So they all refer to pop. We have pop rocks, we have popcorn. I'm looking over here, we've got pop tarts, ring pops, Tootsie Roll pops and pop-up pencils. So the kid picks a reward, goes back to class. Um, it really seems to be taken over. We're sticking them outside to see which grade level gets the most pop awards. Um, really trying to encourage the positivity that goes on with the kids every day that may not get acknowledged otherwise. So that's one of the great things about here. Um, another great thing is we have probably about 35% uh, ELL students. We have a fantastic ELL program here. We've got Miss Sanders, the primary, and we've got Miss Scarborough here at the elementary. Um, they work with our kids um providing the structure and the resources that they need you know because you got to get them out in five years and so um it has been phenomenal we have a couple of bilingual teachers that do help support our newcomers we have several kids who've come straight from um 
We've got some from Nicaragua, we've got some from Mexico that speak no English. So our newcomers, we have a teacher that is helping organize that so that they can get the um, verbal, social uh, language conquered um, and then move on to the academic side of school. So that helps out our students tremendously. Um, what other great things do we have going on? Um, we look at we look a lot at data. We're looking at map data, which is a NWEA more of a growth model. So we are really rewarding students who meet their growth goal. So if a student meets a growth goal in reading or math, um, they can stay on campus. They have half a day off of school, and it might be they're playing games outside, games in the gym. They usually have a snack but they know half of their day at school is meant as a reward party for their effort on in their um, map growth. If they've met both goals, your reading goal and your map growth, I mean your yeah, math, map growth goal, boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> both of those, then you go off campus and we've taken them to the movies. We've taken them to um, like an arcade go-kart um, mini golf place. We've taken them to a bounce house place. So they know they're going to be off campus for pretty much the whole day um, if they meet both of their goals. And we try to do that three times a year. We do it at the beginning of the year when they assess, middle of the year and end of the year. We want the kids to grow. We understand that not all students progress at the same rate. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot have all students on level at all times. So we're really looking at the growth model to see the growth in our students, to see that they're making that, those leaps and bounds in their education um, so that they'll be on level going forward. Uh, we also do an excellent job, I think, with intervention. We have a program here, really great reading, love it. Uh, our third grade students, it's really a phonics type of an intervention, which is what our third graders need. Uh, we've implemented it at fourth and fifth grade. Um, hoping to see those good same results that we've seen in third grade. So that's that's something new that we've done for fourth and fifth, but we've always done it in third, which has really been successful. So, um, you know, overall, I really feel like there's a lot of great things going on. We've got a lot of growth going on academically. Um, we have a fantastic counselor. She has lunch bunches with the students that need that extra social help. Um, she has individual time for students. She has places for the students to use a mailbox to communicate with her, like, hey, I need to see you because of this. She has great relationships with our kids. Um, she just keeps us going. So um, we got a lot of great things going on here at Marietta Elementary. All right. Well, that sounds great. So, Dana, what is one thing that you wish you would have known as a teacher before stepping into the administrator role? Um, if I had known as a teacher how much time that you would spend working on behind the scenes stuff that nobody really ever talks about, like how much paperwork is really involved in being a principal, um, I don't think even in going through our master's, you know, I went through, we went through the finance class and we went through the psychology class and we went through all of those classes but I don't think I really was prepared for all of the paperwork, the reports that are, are due, um, the data that needs to be turned in and shared, um, your diabetes management plans, your epilepsy plans, um, all of that, um, your documentation on behavior, um, your documentation on ac academic standings as far as like third grade relates to the RSA. 
all of that, I don't think I, I realized how much time would be spent on that. I think I had my positive glasses on and thought, oh, I'm going to go in. I'm going to help the teachers, which will help the students. I'm going to be that great outreach with parents coming in. You know, this is going to be, this is what school is all about. And I don't think I really realized how much time would be spent just on paperwork, I think. Um, that's one of the big ahas. I think another thing is um, the differences of opinions. I don't think that I realized that, um, I mean, I, prime example. Um, I firmly believe that it is a parent's responsibility to feed your children at night. And I had a conversation with a parent whose firm belief was, it's not my responsibility to cook for my family. It is merely my responsibility to have food in the house for the family. And so opening my eyes to other ideas, I guess, or other ways was, um, as it was eye-opening to me only because I guess everybody has their own idea on what normal is. And being a teacher, you know, you've got your kids and it's just normal in your classroom because it's your kids and they're doing, you know, things the way that you would have them, you know, we want your classroom run with these procedures and these routines. And when you get to be the principal, it's a whole bunch of different routines and a whole, whole bunch of different procedures. And then you've got the parents who have a whole different philosophy of what's appropriate, um, and, and what's not. So I guess, I guess those would be my two, two things. And amount of paperwork was, um, I did not realize how much was involved in just the parent perspective. So, okay. so on the flip side of that, if you were going to uh, talk to somebody who was aspiring to be a school administrator mm -hmm. or somebody just stepping into the role their first year, what would be that one piece of advice that you would want to give them? <laughs> um, Besides run. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't say that, but uh, a slow jog, no. Um, I would definitely, learning from experience, I would say go in and be visible and be supportive, but my best advice is do not make any sudden changes because you will upset the apple cart like none other. I speak of that because when I came in at it was a little bit different here when I started at three o'clock when the bell rang, all kids, all kids just left the building. We didn't know where they went. Some went to the parking lot, some went to the buses, some grabbed a bike and rode home, some walked home. Um, we would get phone calls and we would want to know where the kids were. And we were like, we have no clue. So after like the first three days of school, I decided this, we were going to totally revamp the whole pickup system, went to the superintendent, had the conversation here's the plan. What do you think? And he was brave enough to say, go for it. See what you can do. So we totally changed everything as far as parent pickups, because we'd have parents coming in the building. Um, this is 10 years ago, two o'clock, they'd sit in the hallways and they would wait. And that was the norm. Like, um, anyhow, so, um, wouldn't want to come in and listen to a kid. We just wanted to wait in the hallway on the kid to get out of school. So we revamped things. We had the parents come through a loop system like I'm sure several schools do. But let me tell you what, I caught grief over that. Uh, of course, Facebook seems to be a, a social media place to air your grievances. Um, was all over Facebook, was, um, you know, how dare I come in here and change the ways of Marietta schools? Because I was, quote, the outsider coming in. Everybody else in the administrative roles had been hired from within. 
And anyhow, so I would, my best advice would be to, to make sure that it is worth changing. And by all means, you know, talk with those people that you work with and make sure that it's going to be supported and you can go forth. I mean, there's nothing wrong with change as long as it's an improvement, but make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row before you decide to upset the apple cart. I, I remember when you went through that, Dana, um, because I was, um, I had a death in my family and I was traveling down to Dallas to go to the funeral and I was a little early. And so I stopped at Marietta just to, just to say, say, say hi to you. And, uh, and I talked to your secretary and uh, she said, who shall I tell is here? I said, just tell her it's a really upset parent. And she said, I am not doing that. <laughs> yes, yes. I understand completely. I understand completely. That's true. Yep. Well, um, so I just want to just give um, our listeners just another backstory about you and I is that you introduced me to, to my wife. Yes. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, the, the, the story on that is that you had gone back to your 10 year high school reunion and had reconnected with some old high school friends. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you came back and you said, Glenn, you've got to meet my friend from, from high school. And I'm like, no, what is wrong mm -hmm. with her? Does she have three eyes? <laughs> Six foreheads. I mean, what, what, what's wrong with her? No, she's my friend. Of course not. No. And, no. and of course, um, uh, your friend was asking the same questions like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and the yes. funny thing is that we both said no to you so many times, like, no, we don't want to meet. And, and um, you kept bugging us for about six months. And finally, I said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll meet your friend. I expected to meet your friend one time. We just go on separate ways, and uh, right. little did I know that we'd be married six months later. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been married um, almost twenty years now. That's awesome. I want you to know, I have never fixed anybody else up in my life ever. I said that I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it as you know, one one successful. Um, marriage uh blind date situation i've never fixed up anybody since then so i have a perfect record of 100 matching on blind dates um but let me tell you what it's been a blessing because when i see one i get to see both of you and uh that is fantastic dana was my best friend all through high school um we played ball together and had lots of stories and then you were my best friend all through college uh master's program um and then you know what better way than to have two of my best friends end up together so um that's been a blessing to me yeah well and and that's one thing that you said at our rehearsal dinner was that when you get come see us you get to see both best friends now and yeah. uh and uh, i can't tell you how many times over the years that my dad mentioned that and just oh. how special that my that my dad thought that 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 was so all right Good so man. we're about to wrap up this uh, podcast uh this this episode so the purpose of this podcast is to elevate the voices of oklahoma administrators so i'm going to pass this right back to you and you just share what your final thoughts are education is ever involving you know we talk about it being a cycle and um but things are always changing and, and i hope with the upcoming elections that are occurring, that we get our people educated on what's going on and what the possibilities are. And, and there are some positive changes that start happening in education. Um, you know, we see the need for some changes, but we wanna make sure the right people are there to help us get those changes made. 
Um, there is a teacher shortage. We all are very aware of that, whether you're talking about certified staff, um, whether you're talking about substitutes in your area. Um, you know, I hope that as time goes on, there is that respect that comes back to the world of education and those of us that are in it. Because let me tell you what, we put our heart and soul in it and to say that, you know, those are just our kids for the nine months, 10 months. No, you know, when you have a kid come through school and you spend as much time with them, they become your kid. See kids in high school that you're, you know, still talking to about, you know, what their plans are after school. And you got kids that are out of school that you're still talking to saying, hey, what are you doing now? Um, you want it to be something that is, you know, a respected profession. Because like we say, we, we put our heart and soul into what we do. We don't do it for the 10 months, y'all. If we could put that on some sort of a slide to show you how much time we spend worrying about your kids and, and um, planning for your kids, you know, planning for our kids. Um, it's an immense, it's immense undertaking. And I applaud all of the educators that are in this. You know, we're all in it for the right reasons. So um, with that being said, I guess that's the end. All right. Well, Dana McMillan from Marietta, thank you for helping or for joining this uh, podcast uh, today, and we will see you, you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the OAESP Principal Podcast. If you're not a member of COSA or OAESP, please join. Go to www.cosa.org and click join to learn more about the benefits of being a member. Also, the OAESP Leadership Conference is coming on November 9th and 10th at the MC Suites in downtown Oklahoma City. The opening keynote speaker on November 9th will be Tammy Evans. Her session is titled, Lighten Up and Lead, Leveraging Levity for Connection, Culture, and Engagement. You will be entertained, you will laugh, and you will learn to improve communication, increase self-confidence, and learn to keep your staff energized. Also, the closing keynote on November 10th at this conference will be Dr. Brad Johnson. His session is called Leading Through Serving. Learn to transform your school by understanding your own strengths and leadership style. Dr. Johnson is an author of 10 books and has traveled the globe speaking and training uh, teachers and school leaders. And be looking for information to be coming out soon about the Women in School Leadership Conference that will take place um, in April. And uh, we'll be making an announcement about that um, uh, coming soon. And uh, so, as always, thank you for all that you do in our public schools. Go be awesome and just keep doing those great things.